Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here and we pray you get something powerful from this sermon. Morning, church. What an honor it is to be sharing with you this morning. And I have the great privilege to go on the journey talking about serving. Um, And you know, we've heard from Ruth last week, she talked about forgiving. And if I'm completely honest with you, I'm really glad that that was not the topic I was given. But I was really challenged by the sermon and definitely began outworking some of that during the week. Mitch, the week before, spoke about being. So we've talked about being with God, talked about being with Jesus. We've talked about forgiving and realizing that Christ has forgiven us and therefore we are to forgive others. And this week we're talking about serving, actioning those things that God has called us to do. I want to share a little story with you. And I don't know um, what your houses have been looking like during lockdown, but mine has been uh, not so clean, okay? So I'm good at tidying because it's easy. You just chuck all the toys back in the boxes. But why bother cleaning when the moment you clean something, you turn around and it's straight back to what it was? So I haven't really bothered to properly clean, you know, do the windows, vacuum, mop, all of those things. So one day I woke up with a little bit more motivation, a little bit more energy, and I began cleaning my house. I then remembered after a little while that I had two children also in my house, but I could no longer hear them. And it was concerning because I thought to myself, when you can no longer hear children, something bad is happening, very bad. It's never a good sign to have silent toddlers in your home. And so I stopped what I was doing and I yelled out, Alex, where are you? Really hoping for a very innocent response. And she turns or she yells out to me, we're in the shower. And I'm thinking, it's the middle of the day. You're fully clothed. Why are you in the shower? So I I sort of went into my ensuite. Sure enough, Alex and Jemima are in the shower fully clothed, and there is shower gel everywhere. They are covered, the floor is covered, the glass is covered. And I would like to say that I'm a really easygoing mum that just let it go and, oh, this is so fun, girls. Wow, look at you creating your own activities. No, I'm not like that. And I do blame my mum for that because... If we made a mess, yeah, anyway, moving on. So basically, I picked up one child at a time, very lovingly, of course, and I took them to their bedrooms and I closed the door. And as I was doing that, I was probably yelling, this is so naughty. Why are you doing this to me? And then I walked back out, continued cleaning my house because I knew in that moment that I needed to calm down. 
I continued cleaning for a while and I thought, all right, Britt, it actually was not that big a deal. The mess is literally in the shower. Just get the shower, clean it, it's fine. And so I went to check on Jemima and I don't know if it's an age thing, I'm praying that it is, but she had fallen asleep on the ground so she really didn't care that she got in trouble and that's just, that's a part of her personality. She's a bit like, eh, mum, tell me off, I don't really care. Whereas Alexandra, she's a little bit more like sensitive about that stuff and so she was still crying in her bedroom because she had done something wrong. And so I went in there and I sat down with her and I explained that mummy was frustrated because she is trying to clean the house and you're making more mess and therefore you're making my job harder. And so we had a great chat, everything was fine, all was forgiven and she wanted to play in her room so I said sure, go on. And I continued on with my jobs. A little bit later, she came out to me and she said, mom, and I said, yes, Alex. She goes, can you come and have a look at my room? I've cleaned my room. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, like you're three, you've cleaned your room, cool, no worries. So sure enough, I walked in there and yes, she had cleaned her floor. There was nothing on the floor, nothing at all. Everything was just on the bed. And in that moment, I could have so easily been like, yeah, right, Alex, you cleaned your room. You just put it all on your bed. But I didn't because it actually wasn't about her cleaning her room. It was about why she had chosen to do that. You see, when we had that conversation about mummy's frustrated because I'm trying to clean and you're making more of a mess, she caught on to that. And in her mind, she thought, how can I help my mum? I can clean my room too. I can do something. I can help her by cleaning my room. And so I was so proud of her because she had connected with me and heard what I was saying and said, all right, mum, I'll help you. I'll clean my room. And so, you know, I was thinking about what did I do when I was growing up that was a little bit similar. I didn't clean my room. So I couldn't think of an example about that. And so instead, I thought about, you know, dad would go away often just for small trips and travels and whatnot. And mum didn't mow the lawn. Well, she might have done it a couple of times, but she didn't really mow the lawn. That was dad's job. And so I sometimes, I enjoyed mowing the lawn. So I'd go out, I'd mow the lawn, I'd be really proud of myself. And dad would come home and I'd be like, oh, I I mowed the lawn for you, dad. And You know, you could see his face like, great, thanks, Britt, that's really helpful. And then occasionally, I would also see him out there re-mowing the lawn. And I'd be like, but Dad, I, I mowed it. Clearly, I didn't do a great job. I don't think I ever whippersnippered either, so it was never a fully done job. But the fact was, I wanted to help. I wanted to do something that would take the pressure, take the stress off my parents and do something. Did I do a perfect job? No. Did dad have to redo the lawn? Most of the time, yes. Is that the point? No. The point was that I wanted to serve my parents. I wanted to help just like Alex wanted to help me. And so we got in and we did the job. You know, today we're talking about serving. 
Why? Why is, why is serving a topic? Why is it even important? And it's as simple as this church. Jesus served. And so therefore we are called to serve. I, I'm really encouraged um, when I serve, but I think there's something that we need to just say before we continue. Serving is not fulfilling a task. Serving is not ticking off a to-do list. Serving is not just being a part of a roster, but serving is actually the way we choose to live our life. Serving is the way that we go in and, and we do our everyday tasks, but it's a state of our mind. How we choose to serve is more important than what we do when we serve. I want to read to you, and it's going to be on the screen, so follow along. Philippians 2, verses 1 to 11. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honour and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is such a powerful passage. There is so much in that passage that you can take away. But there are three things this morning that I really want to highlight. Three things that we can walk away with today and implement into our lives this week. The first thing that I want to share is at the end of verse 2, it says to work together with one mind and one purpose. Why did I tell you the story of Alex and myself doing those jobs as kids? Because we connected with our parents. We had that one mindset. We had that purpose, the same purpose that a job needed to be done. And therefore, when we did that, we, we connected because my parents were proud of me for doing something to help them. And I was proud of Alex for doing something to help me. We connected in that one mind and one purpose. Church, we're called to work together not individually. We're called to work. Um, you, you see in Paul, in 1 Corinthians verse 12, he talks about the spiritual gifts. He knows, and in that, he knows that we're not all the same person. We are gifted in different areas. We have strengths and weaknesses that are not the same as everyone else. And that is the way that God intended us for us to be. 
But Paul does urge us to be of one mind and to work towards one purpose. He wants us to to think the same way about selfless humanity, selfless humility. Who, Who should we be? How should we act? That is what sets us apart as Christians from the world. You see, in the world, people work towards something. They climb a ladder to propel themselves. But in the church, we are called to work together, not to propel ourselves, but to propel the kingdom of God. To see disciples made and and to see more people come to the kingdom of God because we have that intention. That is the great commission. The great commission calls us to make disciples. That should be our sole purpose. That should be the one thing that connects us. We live in a world that is divided. We live in a world that is separated. We live in a current church climate that is separated. So did Paul, and that's why Paul called it out. Division within the church began when the church began. But what are you doing about it? What are we doing about it? As I was thinking about that this week, I was challenged because division begins as a thought in your mind and it's actioned by words that come out of our mouth. What are you thinking of other churches that you then say that without you even realizing can cause division? I was incredibly challenged. There are things that I might not always agree with, but it is not my place to stand up and declare to everyone why I don't like this church because they sing these silly old songs. It's not the purpose. We're called to be of one mind. We're called to be of one purpose. Church, if your ultimate goal as a Christian is to see disciples made, and if we as a church or individually can believe that, can outwork that, then the enemy will not be able to stop us. There is unity when we work together. There is power when we work together. And God will use that. God will see that. He will acknowledge that and he will amplify that. And the enemy won't stand a chance to break it because we will be too strong. Number two, It says at the end of verse three that we are to do it humbly. I love that the line just before this actually says, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others. It connects point one with point two. In fact, it's the one thing, if we are selfish and if all we're trying to do is impress others, then we're not working with one mind and one purpose and we're not doing it humbly. Paul is a smart man. He said, do this, don't be this so you can do this. It's so important that we are humble, that we are, that we are doing stuff just to glorify our God and not ourselves. In the Greek world of Paul's day, being humbled was actually seen as a sign of weakness. 
If you were a humble person, you were considered a weak person. But we saw the life of Jesus and we're so blessed that we can live in a time that we get to look back on the life of Jesus as an example. We saw that he was a humble man and we know that Jesus is the ultimate. He's the one that we look at to learn from, to be guided from. And so we see him as a humble being and therefore we are called to be humble. Hum, uh, humility actually takes strength of the Holy Spirit. Being humble is not actually, uh, it doesn't come easy to humans. It's hard. It's tough. We don't want to be humble. We're made to be, to be self-righteous. We're made, that, that's how we become in our world today. But Christ is turning it around and he's saying, no, that's actually not how I made you to be. Look at the life of Jesus and that is how I am calling you to be. And he was a humble, humble man. Again, when we are humble, when we show true humility, we are setting our, ourselves um, out of the world. We are stepping out. We are, we are different because there are so many people that are not humble that when you are truly humble, you're different. You look different. You appear different and you act differently. You know, Jesus... He came to the world and he came to serve. He gave and he gave and he gave. But he was also wise. He knew that there were times where he needed to set himself aside, where he needed to have that time, those moments to just rest, to rejuvenate, because he couldn't give from empty. He couldn't give from nothing, so he needed to step back and actually have that time for God to refill him. We have to do that too. But I can tell you now, Jesus didn't sit in that for years and years and years. No, he sat in that for days until he knew he was ready again to get up, get going and continue doing the job that God had sent him to earth for. Church, it's important to take time aside for ourselves, but it's just as important to get back up again and continue that job. I love there's a scripture in John 4, verse 31 to 34, and it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus said, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. And then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Church, there'll be a day and a time where we can go back and we can rest, have eternal rest in heaven. That will be our time to just breathe. But when we're here on earth, we're here with a task. And that task is to serve God. And by serving God, it means that we serve others. 
Number three, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Yeah, easier said than done. We're humans. That doesn't come naturally for us to just live like Jesus lived. But that's the challenge. That's the part where we have to step out. That's the part where faith comes in. That's the part where the Holy Spirit takes over and enables us to live according to the purpose of God. Because if we do it in the natural, who knows what happens? But when we live with God and with the Holy Spirit directing us and guiding us, we're able to connect with Him and He can, he can take us on that journey of having that same attitude that Christ had. What was his attitude? Ultimately to humble himself in obedience to God and bring glory to him. If we're called to live like Jesus, then we're called to serve. You know, this scripture, the Philippian scripture, it's actually referred to as the kenosis passage. And um, the meaning of the Greek word kineo actually means to make empty or to empty. What does this kenosis or this emptying mean? Let's read it in chapter, uh, sorry, in verse six and verse seven of Philippians two. It says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges he took the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. Quite literally, when Jesus was born as a little baby, he was born as a human being. His divine privileges were taken away from him so that he can experience the life that we live day in and day out. You see, it's so easy it's so easy for us to look at the life of Jesus. And, and I'll, let's think about when he went and did these 40 days of prayer and fasting. He didn't eat anything. He didn't drink anything, right? And then the devil comes to tempt him. Here you go, just have this. And we think to ourselves, oh, but he's Jesus. He's got this divine thing. He can probably just fulfill his hunger by praying and whatnot. Yeah. He didn't use that divine power. He was wholly human. He was just like you and I. When he went to the cross, that pain that he felt, that would have been the same pain that we would feel if we went through that same journey. He didn't have a, a wonderful divine um, pain relief. No, he felt that pain wholly and fully. And this scripture is talking about how he comes to earth. He comes as a little baby. He would have felt hunger. He would have felt pain. He would have felt fear because he emptied himself of his divine privileges and came as a human being. And not only as a human being, but he, he even put himself as a servant. A servant. Something that I think most of us would struggle with. 
to fully allow ourselves to become a vessel for God to use. Church, if Jesus did it, then we are called to do it. If Jesus can do it, then so can we. In Matthew 16, verse 25, this won't be on the screen, but it says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. I want, to, I want you to imagine just for a minute, Jesus, the Savior of the world, is at the Passover dinner. He's kneeling on his knees. He has a towel in one hand and a basin of water in the other. And he tells his disciples, sit here, I want to wash your feet. I wouldn't even let Josh wash my feet. How on earth would I allow Jesus, the saviour of the world, their rabbi, their leader, to wash their feet? It says in John 13, verse 12 to 17, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Church, we live in a world where hierarchy is a natural thing. We're climbing a ladder and propelling ourselves is a natural thing. But Jesus actually sits at his disciples' feet and in that moment he says, if I, your rabbi, if I, your Lord, if I, the saviour of the world, can get down on my knees and wash your dirty, stinky, smelly, calloused feet, <laughs> then so should you. We are called to be set apart from this world. But it's hard. It doesn't come easily. It's not natural. So when you find yourself struggling through the week and you think back to, oh, but I'm meant to be a servant. Church, we're gonna fail. It's inevitable. But thankfully we have a Christ that has overwhelming, unending, never giving up faith on us and grace on us. That means no matter what you do, He will forgive you. And He will still ask you to go out and serve. Church, 
we, we honour and we represent God best when we serve well. Matthew 5 verse 14 to 16 says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Praise your heavenly Father. The praise isn't ours. The glory isn't ours. The honour isn't ours. But all of it will go to Christ. When we serve church, it's not about what you do. It's about why you do it and how you do it. So I encourage you this week, I'm challenging myself just as much that as you continue your everyday life, as you continue to go about your job, your schooling, whatever it might be, that you would stop and you would reflect. God, it's not about what I do, but it's about why I do it. And I am doing this today because I want to bring glory and honour to you so that ultimately we will see disciples made for the kingdom of God. I'm just going to pray and then I'm going to hand back to Trent. God, you are so worthy and you deserve all the honour and all the glory. And God, I pray that as we go about our week, Lord, that we would remind ourselves that we represent you best when we serve you well, God. Lord, I pray for every person that is watching this, whenever they are watching it, God, that they would be encouraged that no matter how many times we, we stuff up, no matter how many times we make a mistake, that Your grace, Your never-ending love will fill us again. And we are called to not just sit back in that, but to go out and to continue serving You to the best of our ability. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including service times and our live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.